So uh, we're moving on to Peter, 1 Peter, Exiles and Aliens is kind of the title of the series because um, it's a really cool series. This book, Peter, 1 Peter, if you studied through it before, you know our teens are studying through it upstairs on Sunday mornings. So um, there's so much good stuff in 1 Peter. And uh, today we're going to kind of look at that. Peter is such a stud of a guy. I mean, he's just a stud. I mean, he, he's just like me and just like you, right? He's just... He's all over the place. Um, so he's everywhere, this Peter, but he's, he's so much like us. You know, he's just like one day he's on, the next day he doesn't know what, doesn't have a clue. Have you ever found yourself somewhere? Have you ever found yourself somewhere? And then you thought, like, how did I get here? Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> okay, just think, think, think this through with me for a minute. Um, maybe, maybe years ago, foolish living, you wake up and you're like, whoa. So maybe I just had a foolish living. You, you understand what, what I'm talking about with that. Maybe you got your bell rung. You know, maybe you played ball or something and you got hit in the head and you were like out cold. Next thing you know, you woke up and you were, you know, at the ER uh, trying to figure out what happened, right? Um, like trying to knock the stars out. Uh, that happened to me once. Uh, well, more than once, but that kind of explains a lot of things to you right there, um, no doubt. So uh, we were at the park, and, uh, you know, there's this thing with a pole, and it's got like this kind of crossbar, and there's like a swing at, at both ends. And so the idea is you, two people are just flying around. Well, that wasn't cool enough for us. So one person would grab the pipe and hold the middle pole and just start going around, and you could just imagine the other person is like, like, straight out, just like flying around. Well, what I didn't take into account was how dizzy I was going to be from being that middle guy. And so I decided that like that was enough, and I started walking out of the circle, totally like, where am I? And sure enough, bam, right in the face, got nailed by the, the, my buddy swinging around. And uh, I saw a couple stars that day. I woke up wondering, where am I? What just happened, you know? Um, sometimes that happens. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it even is uh, something that was, like, really cool. Like, you, you uh, I don't know, flying through the clouds, and you get up above them, and, and all of a sudden it's just, like, perfectly clear. And you're like, whoa, that was like, like you came up out of the clouds, and now it's, like, crystal clear. It's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Uh, or maybe it's in life. Like, you, five years later, you wake up, and you're like, how did I get here? You know, that happens a lot to people, right? Usually, you know, going down the wrong road, you just think it's just, just a little of this, a little of that, and pretty soon one day you wake up three, four, five years later, and you're like, How, what, what have I done kind of thing, you know? Um, so I think we, we understand that feeling at times. Well, the cool thing about Peter's letter and, and what we're going to look at here, these first few verses, is this, and it's this God's word to you and to me through Peter, is this, this place of grace, this place of grace, okay, just think about that, like, and how did we get to this place of grace? That's what Peter's going to kind of share with us in these first few verses uh, as we begin this series, and so this is kind of a, like an introductory sermon, I want to share a little bit about Peter first, and you know, most of us know about Peter, because I guess maybe there's just a lot 
written more about Peter than other apostles and other characters in the Bible. So we know a lot about Peter. We kind of see him in action in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. And so we know a little bit about Peter. But uh, Peter, uh, first of all, the man Peter. Okay, let's just think about the man Peter. He's, a, he's like a fisherman, right? He does that for a living. He uh, catches fish. That's his job. That's how he makes his living, right? Uh, just before Jesus comes and finds him. He's a fisherman by trade. Like, some days good days, some days not so good days. Um, and uh, you could just imagine all that he went through just being a fisherman out on the, out on the, uh, on the ocean or on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, catching fish and during storms and during weather and during leaks in the boat and during bad crews and during all kinds of that stuff. You know, he's just a tough guy, Peter. He's from Bethsaida and Capernaum. He's, he's got three names. So we see Cephas and we see Simon and then we see Peter. And he's married. He's married. And I always kind of wished I knew who his, what his wife's name was. So I asked a rabbi buddy of mine, and he said, uh, at the best of his ability, he could tell me that her name would be Mrs. Simon. Okay, there we go. Mrs. Simon. We'll go with that. And uh, he has a brother named Andrew. And uh, that last note is not right. Um, there's, there's some evidence that says he was a non-Jew, but probably most of the evidence says that Peter was a Jew, uh, at least most of it kind of hints at that. Um, Peter, his accomplishments, check out this. He, he was like part of Jesus's inner circle. So like, like he was looked up to enough by Jesus and thought a lot enough about Jesus that Jesus made him part of those three, Peter, James, and John, that kind of went with Jesus in places the others didn't go. He was a preacher to the Gentiles. And remember the, the story later on in Acts and when he goes to the house of Cornelius and and, and the message is brought to the Gentiles for the first time. He was the main speaker at, uh, on the day of Pentecost. Peter, main speaker, and that's pretty cool. He wrote a couple of the New Testament letters, and we're going to study one of them. He is the key figure in the book of Acts. He uh, chopped off one ear, so that's quite the accomplishment. Uh, he holds the record for the most fish caught by net, and that's pretty cool. He healed, he performed miracles, he walked on water. I mean, this guy just did like everything, like he's crazy like that. So, uh, and then also the book. So this book that we're about to begin reading and looking into, he writes this to Christians, Jews and Gentiles who are now Christians. Uh, persecution has broken out, and Nero is the culprit of that. And uh, it's an encouragement letter uh, for these believers who are enduring such pain to bear up under suffering. And so the book is this great letter of like how to live as a Christian in the midst of persecution and how to view that persecution, how we should look at that. Like, don't let it crush you. Let it like make you better. Let it make you stronger. It's a very practical letter, uh, living for Jesus in the world, which makes it very um, applicable to you and to me today. Like in a world that isn't living for Jesus and isn't more and more every time you wake up. How to live for Jesus. That's pretty, that's pretty good, isn't it? I, I, we need this. I need this. Because, because we look out into the world and, and it's getting very crazy out in the world. On the news, in our schools, anywhere you go, it's getting very uh, difficult to live your life 
and say, I am a believer in Christ and I believe in truth and there is morals and God-given direction for us as mankind, you start talking like that and you are going to be persecuted. You're going to be laughed at and mocked and it's going to get worse. That's just the truth. And so this book is good for us. So chapter one, the first two verses is as far as we're going to get today. Because they're really kind of packed full with some good stuff. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by his blood. That's a mouthful right there, by the way. Uh, he just said what looks like not a lot of words, but he said a whole lot right there. And uh, Peter, in this, like, as he begins this, like, all-critical, spirit-led letter with these words, what Peter is, is going to reveal to you and to me and to them is, one, who the author is, two, who the letter is intended for, and three, how they got into this place of grace, which is so cool. I mean, that, that's what I do. Like, I wake up and I wonder, how did I get back into the presence of God? Even though I know it, it's like, like, why would God do that? Right? It's like, we know I don't deserve it over and over again. But I find myself in God's grace wondering how I got here. Like, why? Why, why, God? Why did you do this for us? So as, you know, we begin this series, um, uh, we see that Peter is this, this, this amazing guy, not perfect, got some accomplishments, and he's written a book. And um, he's going to share with us these things. So here's what we find. Here's what happens. The first thing we see is this. Peter, Peter finds his new identity in a relationship with Jesus. That's what we see right off the bat as Peter begins this letter to these people. He finds his new identity in a relationship with Jesus. Because to be honest with you, if Peter just went by his own doings, that is not where Peter would find himself. Peter would probably consider himself to be somewhat of a loser. Okay? Like we do, right? We look at ourselves and we, we, we tend to see all the negative. We see the scars. We see our failures. And we think of ourselves, or we could think of ourselves, and if we listen to other people in the world, we might begin to think of ourselves as not very bright compared to so many other people, right? But... But what Peter finds as he begins this letter and as he has lived his life like with Jesus, remember for three years, following Jesus around, seeing the things Jesus did, and then listening to Jesus and being called by Jesus and all of that, he begins to see himself in light of what Jesus thinks of him. And so he sees this new identity, but, it, but it, he can only see it in a positive light and for what it really is in a relationship with Jesus. And isn't that awesome that in Jesus, we are no longer the same. 
I mean, that's the only thing we got going for us, right? Is that in Jesus, in a relationship with Jesus, because we love him and we have been called by him and we have accepted this invitation to follow him and we've surrendered to him, that now in him, we are different, we are changed, we are no longer the same. And, and that's what happens with Peter. Look what he says, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And you could almost see like this, this big smile come over his face as he writes this or as he has somebody else write this. But as he's saying these words to be written, Peter, like that's me, Peter. An apostle of Jesus Christ. Like there's no better place to be then right there, right? For Peter, this is like a title of honor. This is a title of not just honor, but it's a, it's a huge title of responsibility, right? And it alone, it alone is packed full with purpose and direction. Apostle. You know, as Peter realizes, I'm an apostle, right? And just as you understand and you and I realize that we are children of God, like that title alone brings with it so much. Like when you say, I'm a child of God, you know, when people say, who are you? What are you? What are you, what are you, where are you from? What are you about? I'm a child of God. Huh? That's huge. I mean, that's huge. That's not of this world. That's like of another place, that's of heaven, that's like God has called me his child. I am a daughter of the king, I am a son of the king, of the creator of the universe. That makes a huge difference. You know, our identity is different, our direction is different, our purpose is different when we understand that I am a child of God. And Peter, you know, for Peter, he's been through the highs and the lows. You know, remember his life as we think back on his life, on one hand, He's like healed people. He's preached to thousands of people. He's walked on water. He's been a part of the inner circle. He's been a part of this miraculous moments of Jesus' life. He has been handpicked by Jesus first to be a disciple and then promoted to the high calling of apostle. Apostle. Peter, like, is an overachiever in Jesus. And that's what Jesus does for you and for me. He makes us overachievers. We do far more with him than we will ever do without him. I mean, we will, you will find yourself doing things that you never dreamed that you would ever do. Going places you would never go, saying things, thinking things, having a worldview that you would never dream that you would ever have outside of Jesus. But in Jesus, you and I can be overachievers. This word apostle means and this is a big word, it means sent on a mission, one who is sent on a mission, a messenger, an ambassador. That's the apostle, that's an apostle, an apostle, a very high calling in Jesus. The apostles had a special calling specifically for them to continue, to continue the mission of Christ in a very supernatural, miraculous working way. Just them. The apostles, the original apostles, as the church was being birthed into the world. And Peter is one of these 12. Could you imagine Peter? Could you imagine the uh, sense of like awesomeness of that, the high of that, to know that Jesus has, 
uh, has found me like somehow worthy, even though I know I'm not worthy. And he's qualified me even though I'm not qualified. And he has done what I could never do and made me an apostle. I mean, Peter's got to be like in, 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 in the cloud at this. This is the church is being birthed, and Peter is one of those 12. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, the scripture refers to Jesus as an apostle because he was one who was sent and high priest. And John's gospel records in numerous places where Jesus was sent from the Father. John 17, Jesus says, As the Father sent me, apostle, into the world, I send you. That's pretty cool. Peter understood that. Peter was like beginning to get this. And all of the apostleship finds its meaning in Jesus. And to the twelve, Jesus granted special power, miracle-working power for them at a specific time and for a specific purpose. And Peter understood that he was called, get this, to carry out the mission of the one who was sent from God and is now sending him. Peter understood what that meant. And Peter considered that an honor. An honor and a privilege. I wonder if we consider that an honor and a privilege. Not just to be called children of God, but then to be sent out into the world. To go into all the world and make disciples. Like, do we get that? Do we really get that? That, that God saved us and he sanctified us and he calls us his children and he calls us to go are we are we doing that part too you know are we going are we are we completing what it is god wants to do through us and in us and in the world i mean peter found it an honor and a privilege but he also found it humbling to be called apostle because that's a very powerful word right and it's a very humbling word when somebody says something about you that that makes you like puts you in a place of like of where people are looking up to you or responsibility all of a sudden that should be a humbling feeling come over you and it was for peter because he understood he did not deserve to be called an apostle right he knew he didn't deserve this yeah, Jesus called him friend, Jesus called him apostle, Jesus renewed his hope, but like you and like me, doubt and denial floods the mind, and it flooded Peter's. Running from when we should be running to, right? Striking out with a sword when we should be just trusting Jesus. Speaking out when we ought to be quiet. Strong-willed, impulsive, and brash. Peter knew he didn't deserve to be called an apostle. And for him, this was humbling. But here's the good news. None of that mattered. None of that mattered because Jesus had come into his life and he had changed everything. And Peter had found his new identity in Jesus. In Jesus. And Peter was never to be the same. Never. And this is what happens when you put your trust in God. All right? This is what happens when you put your trust in God. This is what happens when your friends put their trust in God and your neighbors and your family members, they put their trust in God and they find a new identity in Jesus. And it's bigger and it's better and it's greater. It's more powerful and it's eternal. And it blows your 
previous identity away. Second thing is this, Peter identifies his audience. He identifies who he's writing to in these first few verses, which is kind of cool for us because we can identify them with them, right? He's being moved along, right, by the Holy Spirit of God to write this letter, this first Peter. He's being moved by the Spirit, this revelation. And he's got a group of Christians that are out there that he's got in mind as he writes this letter. It's not just like some, some, some oblivious group of people that he's just writing and hopes somebody reads this. He has them in mind. Look what it says, verse 1, second part. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And here's a map. I think I got a map up there. There it is. So there's, there you see Jerusalem over there to the right down below, and there you see uh, Asia Minor above it. And so these Christians, wherever they were, some maybe in Rome, some in the, uh, still in the uh, Jerusalem area, have been now deported to this new area. Okay? And these are the people that Peter has in mind as he's writing this letter to Christians who are now in a new place. These are real people. You know, these are not just some fictional characters. Like you and like me, they, they have their share of struggles even greater than you and I would ever have. We don't know what it's like to be deported, carried off like slaves and placed in a place that we didn't get to choose. We don't know what that's like. And like us, they are striving to live for Jesus in a world that is not. And they are under great persecution, by the way, right? These Christians that Peter is writing to, it's 60 AD, right? So this is approximately 30 years after Jesus dies. He's now writing 30 years later to these Christians who are now scattered. And, and uh, the emperor Nero has begun this great persecution, blaming the Christians for, for fires that have started. And now he's persecuting them like no one has ever persecuted them before burning them at the stake, pouring tar over them and tying them to poles to light up his courtyard for fun, using them in the, in the center ring so animals could shred them for sport. We will never understand. Nero, it's a vicious, murderous hater of these Christ followers. And... Uh, in the midst of this, here's the thing that helped them cope. In chapter 4, verse 16, later on in the letter, and it's a theme of the letter, Peter says to them, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Wow. Verse 1, Peter uses these words to describe their situation and them as the audience that he's writing to. He uses the word chosen or elect. He uses the word exiles, and he uses the word scattered. He's writing to those people who are now in a strange land that belong to God. The elect, meaning those who are children of God. God has called them they have answered, they chose Jesus, they've accepted Christ's invitation, and now they are part of the called out ones, the chosen ones. A better reading would be strangers scattered abroad. 
They are refugees, sojourners, aliens. And so these people that are Jews, Gentiles that have converted to the faith, have been deported to foreign places up north. So they're not only new to the faith in the last, whatever, 5, 10, 20, 30 years, because it's fairly new, but they have been carried off to a strange place. They have been forced from their homes. And this is the audience that Peter writes this letter. Dispersed, uprooted, replanted. Not good words. You know, not good words. And check this out. This is is a nugget of truth in the midst of all this. The word dispersed means, think of the word dispersed, it means sown again. Sown again. (laughs) That's pretty cool. As in seed spread out to grow. And so what you and I would view as painful, uncomfortable, and why me God, God sees as spreading of his truth in people as seed into the world. That's a different view, isn't it? I would not naturally have that view. I'd be ticked. I'd be mad. Right? And if you're honest, you'd probably be as well. But God's view is, you belong to me. And I want you here. I need you to impact the world here. And if you really belong to me, you'll be willing to go. That's pretty cool. Dispersed. To the world, that's a bad word. To uh, people who's been forced out of their home, that's not a good word. But in the eyes and the perspective of God, it's the work of God penetrating the world, spreading the truth into new places. Right? That's beautiful. And then he says, through the province of Pontius and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. See, the primary recipients of this word, 1 Peter of God, are these believers who are now in Asia Minor to the north. That's, these are the ones that Peter has got in mind as he writes this letter. He's thinking about these people scattered, hurting, displaced, dispersed, but now he's trying to like be a mouthpiece to God to them wherever they are, in their places of what they might consider darkness. But God has not just them in mind, but he has all who will believe in mind as well, you and me. See, this is what special revelation is. It's the word of God, the written word of God that applies to a people that Peter has in mind, but God has you and I in mind as well. And it's a miracle work of God, the special revelation, as the Spirit of God works through Peter and speaks through Peter and says things through Peter that even Peter doesn't get. Peter won't understand it all either. As he's using Peter and men to record the truth from heaven because God sees the big picture. God sees it all. And God has these specific people on his mind as he speaks through Peter, just like he knows you. Just like he has you on his mind, right? He loves you, and he loves me. He loves us, and he has a word for us. He has a direction for us. He has a calling for you. Find it, 
Find the calling. Do it. Go do it. Peter knows his audience. The third thing is this. Peter identifies how we came into Jesus. Just in these first two verses. Look at verse 2. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. Again, Peter uses this idea of chosen and he adds according to the foreknowledge of God. What's the foreknowledge of God? Well, it has to do with the all-knowing God, right? He knows everything, past, present, future. He knows everything about you, everything about us, everything about everything. He knows it all. He knows what you and I will decide before we decide. Right? He's God. He's God, and he just knows. He gives free will to you and to all, and so we make our choice, and he's already on the other side of our choice. He's there. He knows. And so with confidence, he can say, you are chosen. For this reason, Peter can write, chosen because in our free will, we become members of his family, sons and daughters, chosen ones, because we respond to his call and we enter into his family of the chosen. Chosen because he chooses us and we choose him. Israel was referred to as the chosen ones, remember that? 1 Timothy 6 says that he speaks of his chosen angels. And so the angels are considered chosen. God's people are the chosen ones. And then he says, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Right? You see that? That is this cleansing work of the Holy Spirit, this purifying work of the Holy Spirit, this setting apart work of the Holy Spirit, this sanctifying work of the Spirit. The Spirit is at work, right? Cleansing and moving and working in our lives today watching over us, working in us, drawing us to himself, the promised comforter. When Jesus said, and if I go, I will ask the Father, and he will send the Spirit, that Spirit who lives in those who accept him as Lord and receive him and surrender fully to him. And then he says this idea of sprinkled with his blood, this comes from the Old Testament as well. The, in Acts, right, the act of Moses as he sprinkled the blood over the people. And in Hebrews chapter 12 where the scripture says, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and, the blood, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things. See, the, what's happening here and how he got into this grace is like this. It's like the Trinity, the full power of the Trinity is work. Is at work in just these few verses. We see it. Like the all-knowing God is planning the course, plotting the course, arranging everything, orchestrating everything, calling us to himself. And the Holy Spirit is right there cleansing us, sanctifying us. And the blood of Jesus is forgiving us and purifying us. And, and all of the Spirit and all of the Father and all of the Son, the whole Trinity is at work. And this is how we have come into this place of grace. It's by him, his work. All we do is accept it. And say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. And we respond to him as he has called us to respond to him. Notice the passage says, to obedience to God, right? To obedience to Christ. See, it's by our choice to accept Christ as Lord that we come into this place of grace. It's responding to his love and his grace. 
It's meeting Jesus in the watery grave of baptism where our sins are dealt with. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us and works through us and guides us as we live our lives. It's covered in the sacrificial blood of Christ. This is what God invites us to in his Son. And this is the words Peter uses to encourage these believers who are undergoing something that you and I can never dream of. In the midst of evil, in the midst of persecution and trials, you and I can move into this place of grace. Anyone can. The invitation goes out to all, to anyone, to whosoever will. And so the question is, the question is, are you there? Are you there? Are you living your life in this place of grace? Have you accepted Jesus as Lord? Have you repented of your sin and turned to him and said, God, I need you, and been obedient to him in baptism? Said, God, wash me clean in the watery grave. Make me new again. Have you? Are you living in this place of grace? God, we love you so much. And we need you. We know we need you. And there's no way to the Father except through you. And you have you've begun this letter through Peter to a people who are struggling and hurting because you want us to also understand how we got where we are. That, that when we wake up one day and realize and think, how did I get into this place of grace? We remember it's through Jesus and him alone. Only him. Not religion. Not anything. But Jesus. Jesus. Only what Jesus has done, his sacrifice for me. His death on a cross. His resurrection that gives me new life and hope. God, I want to live in that place of grace. And I pray that not only each of us do, but we want others to. And we'll do whatever we need to do to go and to invite them, to share with them, to bring them to you. Father, we love you so much. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name.